All right, so I got to get this out of the way. We're starting a new series tonight, uh, and, and I made the logo for this. Brett had nothing to do with this logo. Um, <laughs> Connie put that up there, by the way. That's, that's her. Um, so, so Brett is not responsible for this logo. Um, but this is a classic Kenny Nicks logo. You'll like this one. So go ahead and put it up there, Connie. <laughs> Top that, Brett. Top that, bro. That's pretty strong, right? You never would have thought about putting that up there, would you? It never would have crossed your mind. See? See, I, I, I'm unique in the way I think, right? Yeah. So make an impact. That's what we're talking about, right? So you got a new chance to make an impact on the people around you. Go to school. School started. Anybody not started school yet? I don't think there's anybody that's not started school. Rachel, nobody's talking to you, okay? This isn't all about you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rachel's like, I'm one of them. Yeah, no, I haven't started school yet. Oh, you're not. Yeah, yeah. You already graduated. I'm talking to them for now. Okay, all right. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, you got a chance now to make a difference and impact. Um, and I want to just over the next couple of weeks, I want to kind of talk to you about the, the impact that you can make and how you can do that. Um, and, and I got to thinking, so what's, what's the biggest way to make an impact? Um, What's the biggest, okay, let me put it this way. If something's going to get you in trouble, especially with your mama, she's going to say, that blank is getting you in trouble. What's she going to say? Her mouth, okay? And they're like, the, the mama's responding now. <laughs> they're like answering for you, right? So what you say is the thing that's most likely going to get you in trouble. Well, let me tell you this, too. What you say is actually going to have the biggest impact on the people around you as well. So we talk about this a lot, you know, but I, I would just kind of want to drive this point home to the, tonight and just kind of talk to you for a minute about it because um, I don't think we think enough about what we say or how we say it. Um, you know, I actually, I, I work with a lot of people from California and uh, I, there's, there's a person in my office that's from New Jersey and another person from North Dakota. I mean, I just work with people from all over, right? And I'm talking to people from Chicago all day long. And sometimes I talk to people from Austria and the, and the United Kingdom. You know, I'm just talking to people all over the place. And, and one of the things that they like to make fun of me for, you know what that is, right? My strong Southern accent, right? So you guys, do I have a strong Southern accent to you? No, I don't. But they love to hear me talk. They're like, I said, I, I told them, I said, listen, y'all, if I were to bring some of my folks from my town up in here, get them on this conference call, y'all would hear a southern accent, you know? Like, you would be able to tell they are from the south, you know? Um, but they, I, I went to uh, California one of the very first times I had started this new kind of role that I have. I went to California, and they had all these people from all over the world. They were all there. We had people from Singapore, people from Italy. They were all there, and we were all having this big conference thing. Um, it was all the, the whole group that I worked for. So we were there, and we had to do this, like, icebreaker thing, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like, okay, everybody get used to each other kind of thing. Well, they, you know who they picked for the speaker of that, right? Like, me, okay? Y'all, listen, they, they kept making up stuff so I would have to stay up there and talk longer. They just wanted, they, they were making fun of me so bad. They were like, just stay up there and talk. We don't care what you say. Just like get the Gettysburg Address out. Just read it. I don't care. They just wanted to hear me talk. And, it, and I'm looking at them. I'm going like, I don't even have an accent, y'all. I was born in North Carolina. We got north in the name. I'm practically a Yankee, you know. So, but... 
<laughs> but they thought I had such a strong southern accent, and I'm like, I don't like. You should talk to some of the people I'm around all day long, uh, you know, all weekend long. I should say, and it's completely different than what you you guys think is a strong southern accent. But anyway, so uh, what you say has an impact on people around you. I know that um, in my work. Um, so you probably know this, but there's a lot of people that cuss around me, right? So just like when you go to school, there's a lot of people that cuss around you, right? You got a choice as whether or not you cuss or not. You got a choice as whether or not what comes out of your mouth is going to be unwholesome or not. You got a choice about that, right? So because I don't cuss, it has affected the people around me at work. Um, there have been directors that, I mean, uh, I, I was, I was in a meeting one time and it was a meeting full of people and there were like 20 people in the room and he cussed and he looked at me and apologized to me. And I was like, why, why are you apologizing to me? You know, but he knew that was who I was. So he didn't want, he didn't, he didn't want to have that, uh, hurt me in a way just because he said something that I felt like I would never say. He didn't want that to affect, uh, affect me. And, and, I got to thinking, that means I was having an influence on that guy in some way, you know? I was really actually, in a way, in a positive way, having an influence on him by making him think about what he was saying. And that's something we don't do a lot. We don't think enough about what we're saying. We don't think enough about how what we're saying could impact somebody, you know? We don't think enough about that. We really don't. I went to a camp uh, this summer, the first week of June, where I... I told you guys about it where I was like um, dealing with kids with medical conditions. These kids had, had cancer or were affected by cancer in some way. Well, one of the things that, that they went over with us as counselors over and over and over with us is what things were camp appropriate to talk about. Um, what, what was it okay to say and what was not okay to say? And, and it really, I mean, I don't think that I, I, I have all these terrible things that I say, but when I was there, it made me really conscious of what I would say in front of the kids and to the kids. It was, it was very important that we not be negative to them, right? It was very important that we were always positive, always lifting them up, and we never said anything negative around them or to them. And that was something that really made a huge impression on me and helped me to think about when I came back to help me think about what it was that I was saying. I know that you guys experience this uh, at school and everywhere else when you're around your friends, sports practice, whatever. I know that you experience this, but people say stuff. They don't necessarily mean for it to be hurtful. They're just talking. But what happens? They say stuff, and it's hurtful to you. It may be about you. It may be about your friends. It may be about uh, something they don't even recognize. That actually uh, impacts you or is about you in a certain way. They, they may not even know that it's about you, but it may actually hit home. You're like, oh, they're actually talking about me, even, they don't, even though they don't recognize it. Can I tell you a funny story real quick? This is, this is my, my sin. I'm exposing it before the world, okay? So uh, there was uh, this guy, okay, that I used to work with. He was in Chicago, and I didn't really care for him, to be very honest with you. He was very mean. He just wasn't a nice guy. Every time you tried to bring up something that you needed him to do, he was just very negative about it, very mean about it. So I didn't like the guy very much, just being honest with you. So um, I got on Instant Messenger. We have Instant Messenger where I work, and we have our own private Instant Messenger. It's, it's our own version of Skype, basically. And 
We're, we instant message each other, but each other all the time. Get this. So I was on a conference call on the telephone with a bunch of people, including this guy that I'm not crazy about. And I typed something in Instant Messenger and said, man, that guy is such a jerk. Uh, he really gets on my nerves. I wish he would shut up. Something like that, right? So you can imagine saying something like that. You're not going to believe what I did. I sent it to him. I was trying to send it to another guy that I knew up in Chicago that didn't like him either. I sent it to that guy. You want to talk about that sinking feeling that just like, you know what I'm talking about where like your stomach's up in your throat and you're just like, oh, I just made the worst mistake ever. Oh, it, it was gut-wrenching because it's not like I was afraid that he was going to walk down the hall and beat me up because he was in Chicago. He's going to have to get on a plane to come beat me up. So, but it was just like that I did that. It really kind of affected me. I was like, oh, man. Think about that, though. Think about if the stuff you say in private about somebody, if it were to be, and I'm, I didn't make this up. This actually happened. If you were to send that in an instant message to them so, or a text message to them so that they could see exactly what it was that you were saying about them, Think about that. Think about all your conversations. If your conversations are like a postcard, and, and instead of a letter that's folded up, a postcard, you just write whatever it is that you, that you want, and everybody can see it as it goes through the mail. Think about the conversations that you have, whether it be text messages or, or DMs or, or whatever. Think about those messages, and what if they could be seen publicly, and what would that look like, and how it would hurt some people. And I would really like for you to just pause for a minute tonight and think about the words that you say. Um, we've talked about the book of Proverbs before. We're going to be there tonight. The book of Proverbs is just like short little sayings, something that you can grab a hold of. They're truths. Let me tell you this about Proverbs. It's not like a paragraph you can follow. Like they're not necessarily all connected. There'll be a few things here and they'll be connected and then it'll be a, 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 a little sentence about something else and you're like what is having what does being poor have to do with what comes out of your mouth you know like there, there's some things that aren't necessarily connected and maybe when I get to heaven God will be like you see this right here you thought they weren't connected but they really were but from what I can tell they, they seem to be little groupings of things that are talking about certain things but they're not necessarily all connected so that's one thing you need to know if you read the book of Proverbs because you'll read something so this is what's cool about the book of Proverbs you never really read it is that you'll, you'll read through a whole, a whole chapter maybe, and it's like, it'll be like 30 verses or something. You can do that. And, and, and you'll, there'll be like two or three little lines that will jump out of you. The others will kind of fade in the background, but whatever it is you're going through in your life at that moment, there'll be a couple of, a couple of sentences that will just jump out at you, and you're like, oh, that's very true, and that's very applicable to my life right now. So that's why I encourage you to read the book of Proverbs is because there'll be these little things that just jump out at you. When they jump out at you like that, read them over and over again, almost to the point where you, you memorize them. Um, it helps you understand them, for one, and it also helps the Holy Spirit to, to remind you of those things whenever you're about to screw up, and that's what he does to me. He just constantly reminds me. You remember what my word says here? Uh, I remember... <laughs> I, remember, I can't remember if it was John Piper or John MacArthur who said, man, I can't even get into a good sin without the Holy Spirit reminding me of something out of Scripture that I read about that particular sin. But that's the way the Holy Spirit works. He reminds you of the things that you've read, the things that you know to be true about God, reminds you of those things, and it helps to guide you in your everyday life. So let's read some stuff out of Proverbs chapter 18. It's going to be about um, 
It's going to be about friends and it's going to be about words. And, and friends and words go hand in hand in a lot of ways. And we'll talk about that for just a minute. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Now, it, I, I know that you guys have friends. I know that you've had arguments with your friends. I know that you probably said some harsh words to your friends. It says here that an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. So a fortified city is one where they've got guards placed out on the walls. If you imagine a big castle with guards and bows and arrows and all that kind of stuff placed on the walls. It's got a huge drawbridge, maybe a moat around it. You know, I mean, we're talking about heavily fortified. It's protected. When you hurt a friend, and most of the time it's not a physical pain. Most of the time it is words that you use to hurt a friend something that has destroyed that relationship, think about how difficult it is to win them back. This should be a trigger in your mind when you think about how difficult it is to win a friend back, how careful you should be with your words and the things that you say. Because it is easier, it is harder to win back a friend who has been separated by, by the words that you've said, you've gotten into an argument, it is harder to win them back than it is to penetrate a fortified city, something that's got armed guards around it. I mean, like, it's easier to penetrate that city than it is to win back the heart of somebody you've hurt. I, I, I can tell you um, from my own experience, I've had some friends say some very hurtful things to me. And, and it really, I mean, I, I hung around them some after that. But really for them to be my close friend again, it took years to mend that wound that was there because of some things that were said to me or about me. And I heard that, and it just, it's so destructive. We don't think about how destructive our words are, but they are so destructive. And we get in, notice it says arguments, right? So it gets into the, the term argument. So what happens in an argument? So you say something, they say something back, and then you say something back. And what's the whole point of an argument? It's so that you'll, you'll win. And sometimes winning means that you hurt the other person more than they hurt you, Right? That's what an argument basically boils down to once you get into it. It's like you want them to hurt the way that you were hurt, and that's the way an argument goes back and forth. Think about how destructive that is. And you have an opportunity in the middle of those arguments to pause, to just stop and think about what you're saying and to think about the words that are coming out of your mouth and say, am I trying to hurt this person? Am I trying to destroy our relationship Am I really trying to cut their heart open and do damage that may or may not be repairable? We need to stop sometimes in the middle of our arguments and think about how difficult it is to repair some things that are being said because what happens in an argument? Things escalate and they escalate and they escalate and before you know it, you're saying things that are so hurtful you never would have said that had you not been in an argument. Am I right? That's exactly what happens. So understand that... that that, that friends are difficult to win back. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. So I love Olive Garden. Does anybody else feel that? You feel me on the Olive Garden thing? I've said this before and I'll say it again that Fettuccine Alfredo is just macaroni and cheese for adults, you know? It, they, I don't know if there's anything better than Fettuccine Alfredo. You know, I'm, I'm not a dessert person so much as I am a meal person. I love meals, and I eat my meals fast. Is anybody else a quick eater? There's a few. Why are we? 
So it's over there and over here is the only people that eat fast. That's weird. So my 20-something's over here and then teenagers over here. So, okay, I get you. So I'm like a 20-something or a teenager. I think we already knew that. Anyway, uh, but I eat really fast because you know what I enjoy? People are like, well, you don't enjoy your food. My mom used to tell me that. Son, you don't even enjoy your food. Isn't that what you used to say? Isn't it nice to have my mom here? I can just like point at her. Like, you used to say that, didn't you? And I got the microphone, so she really can't say anything. Although she does sometimes. She doesn't even care if she has a microphone. But anyway, I won't let you have it. You doggone right. She's still talking, isn't she? I started it. It's my fault. Anyway, so I get to talk now because I'm up here with the microphone. So anyway, um, but she would say, son, you don't even enjoy your food. You just inhale it. That's the words, right? You just inhale your food, right? You know why I inhale my food? It's not so much that I enjoy the food. I enjoy being full. Does anybody, you feel me on that? You enjoy being full? <laughs> Jameson didn't even hesitate. He was giving a praise hallelujah back there when I said being full. He was like, yes, yeah, I hear you on that one. Like, that, that's what you enjoy. You enjoy being full. That's the way I am. And, and here we're talking about being satisfied with wise words. So what are wise words? They're the opposite of foolish words, right? I think we could probably put our finger on what is foolish a lot easier than we could put our finger on what is wise. Um, so we know the things that are foolish for us to say, right? Like getting in an argument, for example, uh, it, it's something that Paul says is foolish. Don't engage in foolish arguments. There's no reason for that. It's not accomplishing anything. It's not progressing the kingdom. It's not progressing your relationship with that person. There's a ton of things that, that you can say that are foolish. We talked about putting somebody down, right? Insults and how foolish that is. Then, then we, we can talk about some other things that are foolish too, right? So those are inappropriate things, um, uh, in, in, in the teenage world, I know that it, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of, what am I talking about, teenage world? This is in the world, okay? This is adults, too. There's a lot of sexual talk that is inappropriate and things that just shouldn't be said. And I really believe that stuff to be foolish talk. I believe that it's not doing any good. It's not accomplishing anything. It's really being, it's being done in order for the purposes of being edgy. You know, I'm different, I'm edgy, whatever, so I say these things kind of make people feel a little uncomfortable or so that me and my friends can kind of laugh about it or whatever. But, but think about that stuff. Is that really beneficial? Is it wise to say that stuff, to engage in those conversations, to let people around you engage in those conversations and you stick around for it? I know, look, I'm not asking you like as teenagers to go, you know, whip out your Bible and go, you shouldn't be saying that, you know, and just beat them right over the forehead with it. You know, I'm not asking you to do that. But when it starts, if you walk away, I promise you that's making an impact. It's making a huge impact that you don't recognize all the time until later. And they're like, man, I know that they're not going to stick around if this conversation starts up. And by the way, they may make fun of you for that. The fact that you don't engage in those kind of conversations but let me tell you something. When you're doing something that's not foolish, you're doing something that's wise. When you do what's right, you are right. Do what's right. Walk away. That's not, that's not asking for a lot, is it? I'm not asking for teenagers to do a whole lot. I'm not asking for you to slap them or, 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 or start you know, reciting John 3.16 at them. I'm just asking you to walk away when that foolish stuff starts happening. 
Wise words are very, very satisfying. You think about the foolish words, they're very empty, aren't they? They don't, they don't carry any weight. Um, I know that, uh, I, I don't say this boastfully, it was said about me recently in a meeting, it was said, they were talking about, they were talking about me, I don't know why, I can't remember why it started, but they were talking about me, and somebody said, now he's the guy that will sit there all through a meeting and then won't say anything but the very end, and when he speaks, you better be listening. And, and I was like, that may be the best compliment I've ever gotten, you know, that somebody thinks that what I'm saying is important. Because I don't, I don't engage in all the foolish back and forth. I just sit back and I listen. And you can learn a lot by listening, by the way. I sit back and I listen. And then at the end, I come up and say, okay, these are the wise words that we all need to hear. These are the things that we need to step back, the 10,000-foot view, take a big picture and say, here's what needs to be said. Those are the kind of things that are wise. Those are the kind of things that we should be saying, not engaging in the foolish, silly, ridiculous things because the wise words are really satisfying in their feeling. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Oh, man, I can say so much right here. Those who love to talk... Those who love to talk. Do you ever know anybody that runs their mouth too much? <laughs> some of you are looking at each other. And some of you adults over here pointing fingers, that's not nice. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to talk. Because talking is good. It brings, it, it, it brings about connection through relationships it really does. So talking can be a good thing. But let me ask you this question. Can you talk too much? Can you say too much? Do you ever miss an opportunity to shut up? you ever do that? Like a great opportunity, somebody's, somebody's prodding you. This is what happens, right, in the conversation. They're prodding you to say something that will drag them down the road that they're on. Why do they do that? So that, you'll feel, that they'll feel better about what they're doing because you've been drugged right into the foolish conversation too. Be careful of that. Be careful of running your mouth too much. Be careful of saying too much. Saying too little is way better than saying too much. Because the more you talk, the more opportunity you have to mess up what you're saying. Think about that. Watch conversations as they happen. When people are, are having the, these conversations, they'll try, they'll try their best to get the Christian, if they can, to go down a road with them into a conversation that you really know you shouldn't be in the middle of. They'll, they'll do everything they can to kind of drag you into the conversation. And even if you just say a little bit, then they'll try to entice you to say a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then before you know it, you're reinforcing what they're doing. You're, even if you're not talking about the same thing, you're telling them by, by talking, you're telling them that what they're saying is okay. That's what you're doing. You need to pause sometimes. Don't miss an opportunity to, to be quiet and to listen. There, there are so many things that you can learn by listening, and there's so many things that you can, you, can, you can process while you're listening too. Am I right? You can think about what it is that you're hearing. Is it good? Is it beneficial? Or is it foolish? And is it empty? Are these wise words that are going to fill me up, or are these empty words that are just going to tear me down or tear somebody else down? It goes on to talk some stuff about a wife, and then it talks about the poor in verse 23. But verse 24 says this. It says, There are friends who destroy each other. 
Now, friends is in quotes here. Somebody that destroys you, are they really a friend? No, they're not, right? That's pretty obvious. Are there some people that have destroyed you in a way who claim to be your friend? Who wanted you to think that they were your friend? But all the while there was something going on in the background that you didn't know about, things that were being said that you didn't know about, and it was tearing you down and it was destroying you. And then when you got wind of it, it destroyed you from the inside out. Isn't that how friends destroy you? Friends destroy you. They destroy you from the inside out. Not always intentionally. Not always purposefully. But there, there are times when people say stuff because they're not thinking. They are saying stuff because they've been drugged into a conversation with somebody else. They're saying stuff that is empty and foolish. And before you know it, Something like that has a direct impact on you. See, it gets away from just everybody else. And now this is you. Now this is you, your friends. It says, but a real friend. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, you guys have heard that verse. And and my prayer tonight is that you'll hear that verse and it'll ring true in your minds. And then tomorrow when you're at school, you'll be thinking about that. A real friend sticks closer than a brother. Let me ask you a question. Some of you got some friends that aren't Christians, right? Do you think it's harder for them to be a real friend? It is, isn't it? It's, it's really hard for them to be a real friend because they got no standard for right and wrong. They got no standard for how you're supposed to treat other people. You can see it in their lives and in their family. They don't even treat their family right. God's given us a standard for how we treat our family and our friends. And he's got it right here in this book. And he's got it for us as Christians to understand a deeper knowledge of who God is and what God expects of us as, as Christ followers. Somebody that's not a Christian, you got a chance to influence them, okay? You got a chance to show them what's right. You got a chance to show them what's okay and what's not. And the number, way you're gonna, number one way you're going to do that is through the things that you say. Through the things that you say. You know how you should treat them? To show them the love of Christ, you should treat them like a brother. You should treat them like family. Your other Christian friends that are struggling with the same stuff that you're struggling with, your other Christian friends that got the same kind of junk going on in their lives and they got friends that are trying to destroy them from the inside out, you're supposed to be there for them. You're supposed to love them like family. You know, you know what family is? It's when people make you crazy and make you so angry you want to pull your eyeballs out, but you love them anyway, right? That's what it's supposed to be. That's the kind of love you're supposed to have. It's not always pretty, but it's always there. You know what I'm saying? Those non-Christian friends, you got a chance. You got a chance. This school year, you got a chance of how you're going to influence them. You got a real opportunity to make a difference in their lives for the gospel of Christ. And I know that you're thinking, man, you know, I I don't know if I can share the gospel with so-and-so. I don't know if I can invite them to church. Well, let me ask you to do this. Let me ask you to start with how you talk and the conversations you engage in. And I want you to think about the words that you're saying and pause for a minute and think about if they're foolish words or wise words. Because that's the first way you open somebody up to the gospel is when you love them. When you love them. When you love them like family. And they see that. There's been so many people, I can't even tell you, 
that they came to the knowledge of the gospel just because I loved them. I didn't have to talk a whole lot about Jesus. They knew that Jesus was in, the, in my life, and they knew he was real and he was present. But just by loving them, it opened up their hearts, and it opened up their lives so that they could see that, you know what? There's something different there. There's a love there that I want to experience that I believe is real now because I've seen it be real in somebody else. You got that chance. You'll always have a choice. Every single time you come into this, this place, this building, you've got a choice. You can say yes or you can say no. When it comes to, to going to church or, or, you know, on a Wednesday night or a, a Sunday morning, you've got a choice. This is voluntary. You're not required to come here. Some of your parents make you come here, and I understand that too. But it's always a choice whether you say yes or no. My prayer is that tonight you'll take some of these words that God has given to you and you'll say yes to them. You'll think deeply about what they mean. You'll think deeply about what God's telling you, and then it'll change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. Thank you so much for how it challenges us. God, I know that we don't always say the right things. We don't always do the right things. But, Lord, I'm so thankful that I have a God who cares desperately about who I am and what I say and what I do. So, Lord, I, I know that you feel that way about the people in this room. I know that you feel that way uh, about them and you love them and you care about them. And, God, you want them to glorify you. God, you want them to reflect the, the love of Jesus in their lives. And, God, I know that the only other way that we can do that, the only way we can start doing that is with our words. Uh, we, we, can, we can act a certain way all day long, but, God, if our speech doesn't line up with that, then, God, it's not a reflection of our heart. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you have spoken to students tonight. I pray that you've spoken to adults tonight, and they've been challenged as well about the things that they say at work or around friends or around family. God, I pray that you've opened eyes tonight. God, I pray that you have challenged us and that your Holy Spirit moves now. God, as we just make a commitment to, to be careful with the words that we say and that our words will glorify you. So be glorified now as we respond to you, as we respond to your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Everyone stand.